Hi, thank you very much for joining Thomas's and my bit for chat. And this week I am doing the conversation. Very excited about it. And we're going to be talking about something that's relevant to all businesses. Every single business person that could be listening to this, it's important to you. And we're going to be talking about why you should have a relationship with a commercial lawyer right from the get-go, not once you start having problems. And I thought that's a really curious thing because most of us, sort of fear the amount of money that a lawyer would cost. And maybe that's why we don't do anything until, oh gosh, now I need to find that money because I've got a problem. So isn't it refreshing to actually imagine that we could build a relationship and that be part of our team so that we can actually grow our business. And we're going to be talking about that with Erica Morales-Perez because Erica is the founder and CEO of Iconos. And Iconos is very much about very strong values, believing in how they can help businesses grow so that actually law isn't a cost. It's actually a really important part of your business that helps you to become a successful business and grow. And that does require quite a lot of commercial nous. So um, I'm going to be asking Erica about that because I don't think all lawyers have got proper commercial empathy. Um, so you're going to be listening about that. Let me tell you about what BIP Chat is. So BIP stands for Business is Personal. And that is a belief and a philosophy that Thomas and I have had for really all our entire careers. And that is all about how our personal life affects our business and our business affects our personal life. And it's very difficult not to look at the whole thing holistically. And therefore, we created a community called uh, BIP 100, and over the last three and a bit years, we have been building this community into 100 incredible experts that not only do they have an expertise that we know people need, but also have the values of kindness and um, really the sort of people that you would want to hang out with as suppliers. And we want to bring these people to you because I think that finding the right suppliers is as important as finding your clients. But a lot of us spend our time finding clients and our suppliers aren't always a priority. So if you come to Thomas and I, we're always gonna be able to help you find some great people to help you in your business. So thank you, Erica. I'm so excited about having this conversation with you. Um, now, if you want to look Erica up while you're listening to this on LinkedIn, Erica is spelled with a K, E-R-I-K-A, and then Morales, M-O-R-A-L-E-Z dash Perez, P-E-R-E-Z, and I will repeat that at the end. She also has her company website, Iconos, which is I-C-O-N-O-S, Iconos, uh, dash group.com. And you can have a look there. And if you would like to connect with Erica, of course, contact Thomas and I as well, and we'll connect you. So Erica, tell us to begin with, you did not start off by being a lawyer. This is why you have got so much commercial empathy. Tell us a little bit about the career you had before you trained as a lawyer and then built your business. Thank you, Penny. It's such a pleasure to be here today chatting to you. Oh. So yeah, I am a second career lawyer um, for my sins, although I absolutely love it. And I'm completely passionate about delivering legal services, which of course I'll 
bore you all with more during today's podcast. But I actually spent nearly 10 years in IT business management. So um, started off in IT resale um, as a funded head. I, I worked for the likes of Hewlett Packard, Microsoft, Samsung, um, absolutely loved it. So managing pieces of business within those organizations. Um, that was really, it was really exciting. Back in the day, early 2000s, um, we had lots of fun, but we were IT sales. But we because we were running businesses within businesses, you were completely responsible for um, running that piece of your business from all of the through all of the supply chain um, because it was product, and then making sure that that piece of business was making money. And that your resellers and distributors were making money and how to incentivize them to sell more and make more money. So it was all about sales targets, hitting them, making money, getting bonuses. It, it was all very goal and objective driven. Um, so I'm just wired that way as a result, um, which is what I bring into my legal career as well. So I'm slightly different to the average lawyer. Yeah, definitely. And we've spent time and a lot of our members have spent time with you and it really comes through really clearly that. Um, so give, give me an idea of Iconos. How would you explain what Iconos does? Yeah, so uh, we are a legal services company that provides essentially a managed legal service. So we call it a subscription service. Um, but we, I, I guess in a nutshell, we provide outsourced in-house lawyers to businesses. So um, all of our clients have um, different needs um, for their in-house lawyers. And in within those needs, they might have different numbers of hourly requirements in that for some organizations, um, our biggest client, for example, turns over 100 million plus. We do three days a week for that client as a team. Um, and our smallest client only does um, four hours a week with us. Right. So it really just depends on what their needs. And we tailor our services to suit those clients and their needs. So the nice thing about that is that we, we're not a cost that sits on their bottom line and you don't have a lawyer sitting there twiddling their thumbs um, with nobody knowing what they're doing and not adding to your revenue generating um, processes and procedures. That's brilliant. So it really is fractional. So people can really work with you in a way that their business needs and as they scale, scale with you, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Now, there were three core things that I know that anybody that's listening to this is going to find really interesting. And I do want to dig into them because some of it is really this myth, which I think has got some foundation to it, but that all lawyers are pretty unhelpful and very expensive. And I want to talk about that. And it's not that we're going to be trying to completely disrupt the legal world. But the reason I want to talk about it is because so many businesses would would fear building a relationship, the thought of those bills at the end of the month. And I think it's really important for us to know that part of it. The, the second part, one is that you believe that lawyers should help you make money. And I want to talk about that because, I mean, well, there's nothing better than a supplier that actually helps you become a more successful business. That's what we all want. Um, and also to help you reach um, sort of vision and business goals. So I want to talk about those three things and how how Iconis does that and how you do that as a leader of this this company that you've you've founded. Let's just talk about lawyers and the myth and sometimes the reality mm. of of what when you're out because I know you're a phenomenal networker. Um, you're incredible the the energy you have for people. 
you obviously hear feedback about relationships with lawyers. What What is it that sometimes prevents people from thinking, I want to work with a lawyer? Yeah, I, I think fees, Penny, are a big part of it. Um, and I, I would like to think of myself as a completely, completely different to the average lawyer. Um, I, I'm a social person. I'm a social butterfly at heart. I'm a salesperson at heart. I love to build rapport with people, and that includes my clients. I feel that they can get the best service by having a rapport and by understanding what their needs are and how I can help them. I, I think the problem with lawyers and it's not necessarily their fault the law society trains lawyers on technical legal stuff a law degree is all about the technicalities of what the law says the rule of law um all of those technicalities which are important when you're giving legal advice for sure but at the end of the day most of the time people need, particularly in what I do, commercial legal advice, and therefore it's not always as technical as it might seem on the face of it. And to give you an example of that, what do I mean? I mean, when two people want to do a deal, there is always a way to do it within the realms of the law, but it's just about finding that way. I sat in front of a client last Thursday and we were looking at how we would get out of a contract because the relationship has broken down um, with their, their customer. Um, and and I said, well, why don't we do it this way? What about this? Why couldn't we try this avenue? And they said, well, I've never really thought of that. But taking account of the contract and the circumstances and the client and the customer, you know, we, we can look at providing a solution in that way. But that's not what they train lawyers in. They train them in technical legal things. Um, and that's where the problem falls down, because we're not giving lawyers social skills. We're not teaching them how to network. We're not teaching them how to use PL. We're not teaching them why that's important to their clients, or indeed how to look at project costing and all of that type of thing. So all of those things are essential to deliver a service. Yeah, it sort of reminds me, finally, I've landed for the last few years with the perfect accountant. And it sort of reminds me of that because an accountant is taught exactly you know, how to keep everything. But a great accountant will help us look how to make more money and pay legally pay less tax and will look and help you to to put things in the right way. So it's, it's very similar, isn't it? You've got the law and then you, it's not that it's doing anything wrong, but you know, being creative with things is really important, isn't it? Absolutely. And I often say, Penny, there's black and white and I operate in the grey. Because yeah. let's be honest, you know, there's not a lot in life that is as simple as black and white. There is a lot of grey. So mm. it, it's about being able to operate in that space and find solutions for people. Yeah. And I love the example of, you know, last Thursday with your client, um, because I mean, what are the similar what are the sort of scenarios, the, the sort of projects that you might get? You just said they're helping someone get out of a, a legal contract. What would be another one that somebody could identify with? Yeah, so another one might be um, we've so this morning I was having a chat with one of my clients, my biggest client, in fact, a certain piece of their business um, provides uh, very specialist data into um, certain organizations. And they have a supplier who is a startup and they wanted to potentially do a deal with this supplier whereby the supplier provides a platform and my client provides the data and they said oh not sure about doing this you know Erica what are your thoughts and I said well we could do that why don't we do it on the basis of a sort of semi-license the opportunity is that this startup might offer not only an opportunity to resell my client's product and service 
but they might then be a potential acquisition target for my client. So another opportunity for growth. So then we sit there and say, okay, well, how can we do this safely? What restrictions do we need to put on them? What is our commercial risk here? And then I build the documentation around that to suit their needs. Gosh, that's lovely. And, you know, what is shining through is that those years that you spent in the commercial space where you are looking for how to do to build the right deals and looking at the when you said, you know, the distribution path and how can everybody make money along the way. And it really shines through when those sort of they must really fascinate you when you get those types of projects to look at. They do. They're still, honestly, Penny, the most exciting part of my job. I love working on the acquisitions because I love closing the deal. Like I say, I still have that itch of the salesperson that needs to be scratched. But yeah, that providing a solution to clients that that helps them achieve their growth objectives for me is the most exciting thing in the world. It really is. Yeah, I can I can imagine. And um so you that that we covered there that um, a little bit that you know I know that in the past when I've used lawyers I've always regretted it I've always hated paying that bill because I've always wondered what value there was and so you definitely we're we're hoping everybody can understand you can have a different relationship here with with lawyers um, so how can you um, help somebody make more money then uh, one of the things I wanted to ask. If you start off, because I've got a question about contracts, you know, when I wanted to talk about that because I know where I've had to really make sure that my contracts with big clients are a bit tighter. And often people get so excited to get the sale, don't they, that they don't actually think about the contract. So so when you said, you know, it's important that a lawyer helps you to make more money, to give me an idea around that. Um, well, first and foremost, to your point on fees, there there is what we call in Iconos uh, the fee creep of instructing lawyers. And I think that's where the scary part comes in. They tell you it's so many hundreds of pounds an hour, but they go mm, a bit like when a builder comes around and you ask for a quote and they look at you and go, oh, I don't know how long that's going to take me. But this is my my daily rate. Um, and I always smile. I think it's a very similar scenario. I, too, have that fear and dread feeling when either a builder or a lawyer comes around. Um, so we try to operate on fixed fees to take away that fear. Oh. And I think as a business owner, you always need that certainty. Yeah. So for me, that the key advice comes with understanding what the needs are of the client and scoping that to the best of our ability because then we can say well hey penny we think this is we think this is what we need to do for you this is how we think we can do it um, and this is what it's going to cost um, and if it's going to cost more we'll tell you way in advance so that you can make a decision um and and that's how we deal with things so in terms of of a, of a contract of dealing with a contractual situation for example um we look at again what what is the business trying to offer and what are the commercial risks it, it's the classic old and again i go back to my sales days where's the where are the holes in that leaky bucket that we need to plug um i'm always of the view that there's always fear when it comes to closing a contract. And again, having been a salesperson, I totally get it. You've got targets to hit, you're under pressure, you want to close the deal. So you do everything. And then last knockings, you say, oh, by the way, there's a contract that you need to sign. And we all suffer from this affliction. And that's when it all falls down because the client or the customer goes, well, hang on a second, you never mentioned the contract before. 
I'm going to have to get it through my legal team or this is going to have to be escalated through this process. And then it slows the whole process down. My view is that if we can all be having conversations about the contracts up front, then actually that process of selling and closing becomes much more seamless and any objections that are raised in relation to that contract and therefore the deal can be flushed out really early on um, so that they're not then a blocker to the sale but of course in order to do that you've got to have a contract that a you're really comfortable with and b you know inside out um, because knowing it inside out is important and being really confident with it is important because you know that that adds value and credibility to your business. Mm. And if I had a pound or a penny, in fact, for every client that came to me and said, oh, I don't want a contract because if I put a contract in front of one of my customers, you know, they'll they'll think it's too much and they won't want to work with me. And actually, my view is the opposite. The value and the credibility that having good, robust contracts in your business gives you as an as a business, as a company is absolutely priceless. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think a contract also shows confidence. You know, that you're, not, you're not a fly by night company. That, you know, we're very confident about our what we offer, but also it presumably protects the customer as well. Definitely. Yes. And and again, because I'm the second career lawyer, I, I've, I've been trained, you know, in, in the last 15 years. So when I was trained, I was telling a client this morning, you'll never find any Latin in my contracts. They're, they're absolutely easy to understand. You know, a contract should be a document that anybody can pick up and read and know where they stand. And it should be right and fair for everybody that's involved, yeah. because that's the best way to do business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that a lot. I, I think it is brilliant. And, you know, you're you're talking about some of the businesses you work with are very large and some of them are very small. So you said, you know, you've got somebody that uses you four hours a week and somebody that uses you three days a week. Um, so give me a sort of scenario. Somebody who may be listening here and thinks, actually, you know, I, I feel I've got to start taking my business really seriously and um, create some protection around it and protect my customers as well who did want to just start that four hours a week, what would be the typical sort of things they'd be asking you to do in, in that? So, so the first thing they might ask me to do um, is look at what they do for data protection compliance, for example, course, um, something yeah. that every business needs to deal with and yeah. look at. And so few organizations do. Um, it, it's frightening. It's a very easy win from a legal perspective, but so, so important and such yeah. high risk. Um, so they might ask me to look at their privacy notice and their um, their data, how they do that. Yeah. Um, they might also ask me to look at their customer contracts. That's probably one of the first things they do. Um, and quite often I go in and I, I have a look under the bonnet, as it were, of the business. And I say, OK, well, here's our bucket. Here are where our holes are. Why don't we create a priority list of what's most important, where the biggest risks are? And again, that really comes to my commercial background, yeah. the prioritization. Um, and I, I will advise my client on what I think is more important and why. Obviously guided by them and what they feel the ne their needs are. Um, but I will then give them a steer on what we should be doing first and where the biggest legal risk is for them. Um, Another really important element that many businesses don't think about until, or business owners, I should say, don't think about until they're 
fully fledged is ownership and investors and shareholdings. So I get involved in doing shareholder agreements. Um, I spoke to a client this morning about a shareholder agreement. They were established in 2021. They've grown from then to now. So just in, in a, in a couple of years, they've grown from two founders to 20 strong in their team um, doing amazing things. And they said, you know, we're, we're best friends, Erica. We've never thought about having a shareholders agreement, but you're right. Maybe that's something we now need to think about. Um, and a conversation I had with them around that was not only where they are at today, but what are their goals for the next five and 10 years? Because that shareholder agreement, whilst it can be changed, you do want to build in some future proofing for them because if they want to grow from 20 to 40 people in their team, they might want to bring in other investors who they might offer shares to. So what? how would we look at doing that? What does that look like to them? What's their ideal scenario? Um, and then what are the pitfalls of that, if any? Or how can we do that so it protects their mm. shareholding and doesn't dilute them? So lots of bits and pieces and things like that. Gosh, having gone through <laughs> building a business with shareholders, in fact, it was when I needed a lawyer was when I started a business after Academy. And I realized my naivety as a founder of a business with the investor I had was just hideous. And well, on the day that they were investing and I had all these clients lined up and we were ready to launch, they changed it from an investment to a loan. Oh, no. <laughs> And, you know, I didn't have that relationship with a lawyer to know. I didn't have that strength behind me or that knowledge. And I just was in fear and relative scarcity and, oh, my God. And, oh, my God, that naivety, what it cost me was horrendous. I can imagine. Yeah. And that's all of us. We've we've all been there, Penny, haven't yeah. we? I think entrepreneurs, we're all we're all chasing a skill set at, at one point or another. We're all chasing the business because as we grow as organizations, we have to then upskill to do something else. And my my role is always changing. And I think you don't know what you don't know, do you? And this is where key trusted advisors come in because being able to pick up the phone to to people and and actually it comes into its own in this regard we were talking about it earlier um about community and being able to pick up the phone to somebody who can just give you a steer in the right direction is is really valuable yeah absolutely so um these founders i'm gonna have to i've got my croaky voice these um the founders do you love working with startups that are in that early stage scaling stage that are just taking on investors so that is a nice a nice place to be because you can grow with the organizations i'm i'm probably better serve organizations that are slightly more established mm-hmm. because that's when we can start working on growth strategy and where the legals fit into that growth strategy um, and that's where clients really get banged for their buck um, because we can then start putting in place these managed processes that help them to achieve that that growth. Yeah. Um, so I do love working with startups um, and every business has has its own intricacies that always present really exciting differences for me. Um, but yeah, for, for Iconos as a business, we probably work more with slightly better established businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, 
and there's a wealth of people out there like I was that have got, I mean, it built a really good business, but all to the benefit of that investor, not, mm. not for me. And I I can't imagine how many people have got that story to tell because of, of them not understanding this. So anybody that's listening, you know, contact me if you, if you want to talk that through because it's very painful if you're in that situation. And, and what about, we haven't talked about sort of the employment side of law as well. Do you get involved? I know you can get employment lawyers, but do you, do you as an organisation help with things like that when there's conflict with employers, tribunals and things like that? Yeah, a little bit um, is the answer to that. So as a as general counsel, which is what we are for most of our clients, we get involved in a little bit of everything when it comes to law. So um, commercial disputes, um, we will get involved in that. And then when it becomes when when it goes to litigation, for example, we would then bring in a litigator. Yeah. Um, specializes in litigation um, and the same with employment. So we we would manage all of it up to the point where we feel it becomes te a technical requirement and therefore we'll bring in an employment specialist. But yes, the day-to-day -day employment matters, we deal with ourselves. Yeah, that's really, really good. And um, tell me about, so on the third thing that I want to talk about is this whole concept of really understanding the your, your client's business goals, which I know we've, uh, how do you do that? Is that a sort of formal relationship we have with them where you have meetings and really make sure that you understand where they're heading so yes and no and it very much depends on the client but ultimately it ultimately it's about working with the board of directors so yeah. the board will always have a business plan and for some of the clients um it, particularly the bigger clients i'm often asked to come in as company secretary so i will sit on the board anyway um, and form part of the uh, director team, as it were, or the senior management team. So it's about then understanding the goals of the business. And for me, as a legal advisor, I then identify where our document infrastructure or and or our legal infrastructure generally holds us back from achieving those goals. And they're the things I start to fix. So <clears throat> with one client, for example... Um, I, I had this, this, this particular client has lots of businesses within it, within its group, um, and they all operate very independently. And they have the group has grown acquisitively over many years. So what what we were having to work with was lots of different documents that had been um, tweaked and fiddled with here and there over many years so we didn't really have a master document and one day I said to the board we we, we need to overhaul this because we're not achieving our, our business goals we're not hitting sales targets this is where we're falling down we can't close a deal because all these documents are different so I said I'm going to rewrite them I'm going to rewrite them all and we're going to simplify so I literally simplified them. We ended up with 10 documents in the end, and there was a whole host more of them. Um, so this was for one part of the business. We ended up with 10 documents, really easy to use, interchangeable. So essentially, you've got a general terms and conditions, and then you had product and service swap outs, if you like. Um, so if you buy one out of the 10 products, you have your general terms and then one one appendix sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so it sounds complicated, no, I think, no, by doesn't. the way I'm explaining it. Excellent. The fact that you said it. it doesn't, that's perfect. So we looked at that and then we said, okay, we'll implement this. And I said, well, implementing it is not okay. We can't just say, well, you've got these new documents, use these. 
let's make sure they're hosted on a website. So we worked with the operations team. Um, we use Salesforce within this particular client. So we integrated them into Salesforce, made sure that all worked. So we worked with the IT team to make sure that was working. Then I um, devised a training program so that we trained everybody in the terms and conditions. We identified, I could tell you off the top of my head, exactly where they fall down and the bits that salespeople are uncomfortable with talking about. So I trained all of the sales team on wow. how to overcome objections in these certain areas, wow. um, when to escalate, um, when to put a framework agreement in place and when they had to fall out of the standard process. Um, and then we, we literally, we started using them. And now, and it sounds a little bit cheesy, but it is true that we empower people to have conversations around the contracts earlier on in that, that sales process so that they don't have this day before month end. Crikey, we haven't told the customer about the contract conversations. Oh, absolutely fantastic. I was getting so excited about that, actually, <laughs> when you were talking about it. Because I love a process and I love templates and I love Salesforce and it all comes together. <laughs> I can imagine anybody who's in sales or operations or invite anybody listening to this is going to think, oh, it's just heaven, total heaven. So as we as we close up, I'm really fascinated by this whole world of sort of fractional or interim. Um, you know, you've now, you know, I think this in the world, we're always wanting to make sure that we've got brilliant experts. And I think often bringing in external people that work in this sort of fractional way, I think is one of the best ways because nobody sits on their laurels. It's, I mean, there are so many benefits of this sort of thing. And, and you haven't used the word fractional, but I get the feeling that you're sort of a fractional or interim in-house lawyer for people, um, which which is very, very powerful. Um, and so you've got this whole range of thing, ways that you can look and you've got a great team that you can yes. you can call on. Um, and you've got your own experience. So I've learned so much here. I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing about it. And anyone who, who's been listening to this, thank you for continuing to listen. I hope you haven't sort of listened with one ear or had your eyes closed thinking, oh, gosh, because, you know, I think what Erica's telling us is that law should sit by the side of us in business to grow our business, not to be something that we purely look at when we actually hit a crisis point. And then we think, who can we trust? And I think that's when we drain the money out of our business because we haven't actually prevented the problems or used it in a commercial way used law in a great commercial way so being a real education for me erica thank you so much for your time and thank you anyone who's been giving us your attention right to the end here i hope you've got some great value from it look at the other experts that we've been interviewing on the bip chat on spotify or on youtube or, or your favorite um, way of listening to a podcast um, there are some really amazing people in there that you can listen to and learn from in their own right, but maybe even think that person could be a great supplier to our organization. So thank you, Erica. Really appreciate all the time you've given us. So educating you. is very important. Thank you so much.